Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I don't 
welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan, and the song you just heard was called Pinpoint by Hayfitz. And we're burning the phone lines down to Brooklyn, New York to catch up with Brennan. So, Brennan, how you doing? And man, it's it's good to have you here. Of course. Happy to be here in whatever capacity. Uh, it's allotted to us. Yeah, no kidding, man. This uh, this whole world's kind of crazy right now, right? Sure is, my friend. <laughs> well, man, um, just to get a little uh, more familiar with you and to uh, start talking a little bit about your music, um, tell me a little bit about first growing up and where you're from and just those early influences. Sure, yeah. I uh, grew up in Los Angeles. was not born there, but I was there uh, from a very early age, so that's my home. Um, kind of a small beach town near LAX, the main international airport over there, and um, came from a very non-musical family. Uh, my parents separated early, um, so music was kind of my... Um, my own discovery, so to speak. And yeah. a lot of my friends had kind of um, taken a liking to it, I think, uh, pretty early on. And I, I was a little bit late to the party. My parents had bought me a lot of instruments and whatnot growing up, but I didn't take as much interest uh, as makes sense to me now, kind of looking back on it. Um, it took me a while to kind of revisit everything, but once my friends started getting into it around middle school and like starting bands, then I, I kind of dove head first, but I was, uh, very much dedicated to basketball actually Yeah. as a young kid. So I, uh, yeah, I think it wasn't really until, you know, the end of freshman year or so of high school that I really kind of took the big pivot away from, from that and, and towards music and haven't really looked back since. Yeah, man. Well, let me ask you so, this. Who is your favorite baller? Oh, man. You got to go back to Kobe, of course. If, if this year couldn't get any more tragic, man, that's just really wild. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was I was even at his 81-point game just by happenstance. No way. I probably went to, you know, less than five games a season. Uh, but, yeah, I was, I was there. It was just yeah, a spectacular thing to see. So, I, remember, yeah, I think that definitely. was the that was the first year that I got into the NBA. I was uh, my roommate at the time. He was a huge NBA fan and a a, a, okay. a, a huge Kobe fan. And uh, I think I remember watching that game live. And like toward the end of it, you know, Kobe was just so tired. It looked like he was just throwing the ball and it was just going in. Yeah, you know, I hope we all get a night like that in one way or another <laughs> in our lives. You know. Yeah, and so, uh, uh, kind of back to your music, uh, so freshman in high school, and so what was that primary instrument that you were learning on? You had multiple instruments, right? Uh, I was playing guitar, you know, I had a, uh, I had a drum set hanging around, um, especially in the high school, I always had a kit, um, but I never, I was just never really playing with anyone on the drums, my first band, I played bass. So, 
Yes, definitely the stringed instruments. I've been actually spending time during the, the quarantine trying to get my hands familiar with playing piano a little bit more because I've always wanted to do that. So, mm-hmm. um, But it's a little bit late to that game as well. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm right there with you. I think I was 28 years old before I started trying to figure out the keys. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I'm 26, so, you know, I'm not too far behind you. <laughs> yeah. And it helps so much. Like, I know um, I was just listening to a recent interview, I think it was with R.E.M., and they made the point that, uh, you know, in their songwriting process, they wanted to be sure not to only write on their primary instrument. Uh, It just kind of helped open things up for them. Totally. Yeah, you don't really have, you know, I I actually, I write a lot in, in one open tuning that I use for most of my first record, and my guitar rarely comes out of that. And, you know, a lot of the voicings, when I try to translate them over to, to piano, I'm finding that you can't play it. Now you just you can't do a voicing like that with your right hand. So, you know, the entire approach changes. Or, you know, I've had times where I've had a string break and I just didn't change it. And that kind of led to a song. and. <laughs> So sometimes restrictions are just kind of like, you know, that's kind of playing in an open tuning in general. You know, you don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. You you don't have that familiarity with, you know, obviously eventually you figure it out, but at first, you know, you just kind of put your fingers places Mm -hmm. and, and it sounds nice. So, uh, I think that kind of, uh, innocence as far as songwriting goes with just the chord structure and whatnot, that's like a really positive thing that's helped me, uh, uh, kind of get, like find my own kind of voice on the instrument. Yeah. So what, uh, what led you to an open tune? And I know like, uh, just to go back to, uh, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, it was always like mm-hmm. the Goo Goo uh, the Goo Goo Dolls who were, you know, that every song they ever wrote, it seemed like it was in a strange tuning. Yeah, I've been doing it, you know, I was playing in, um, like, an indie rock band for a long time, and it was the same thing with that. I don't know, I just, you know, I kind of always, I'm using a capo often, and, you know, it's just like I said, it's that kind of mystery to what you're doing, and you just really just use your ears when you're in a tuning like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I don't know, it's not, it's like the least bit of calculation, from the beginning yeah which is uh i don't know it's been really good to me so i'm uh i'm experimenting with this next record just i've tuned one of the strings down the half step so now it has a much more somber um kind of like uh i don't know i went it's not sad it's just like a little bit colder sounding now Um, that would be uh like kitchen right Oh, that's actually uh, that's in that that song and I think eleven out of the twelve songs on on this first album are um, in the same tuning and there's one song that is in standard tuning. Strangely enough, so yeah, and so man, like my first um, discovery of you is when you were you know scheduled to come to the Sunstroke House and. I was getting familiar with your music, and uh, one of the first remarks that I was making about it when I was sharing it with a friend is, uh, listen to all the space that he creates with his music. 
thanks. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's my porch music lately. I like uh, sitting out on the porch on the evenings and just putting you on, man. It's uh, it's relaxing to say the least, and I mean it's just great wide open from my view, and the music just is perfect for it. Uh, I mean that's like the best kind of thing that you could say, honestly. That's what what I'm hoping for. I think uh, it's. I actually had an experience just this week where it was honestly a pretty profound moment for me. But it was just walking. I was on a little little nature hike and um, managed to, you know, get out of my main space for a second while being responsible, of course, but. I just had a playlist that I have on Spotify, just really low volume, and um, something was on, and I just turned it up because it was just making me feel really nice. It was actually like one of my own songs, uh, which was, you know, I had no idea until I turned it up, and uh, that was just like a, a pretty beautiful moment to be able to separate myself from from having made it, and just trying to experience like what it made me feel like and mm -hmm. I hope that's kind of what it's going to be able to provide people is you know a sense of of calmness and you know tranquility and and all that just like you know maybe inspires you know pensive moments uh, so being on a porch is you know pretty optimal for that I'd say <laughs> yeah man it definitely is and uh so just growing up in Los Angeles, coming up out of high school, how far uh, would the time span be before you decided to make the move out to Brooklyn? I uh, I went to college at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Mm -hmm. So that that's what brought me to the East Coast, um, back to the East Coast, technically. I was born in, uh, in New Jersey, but um, yeah, it brought me back there for four years and I had a had that same band that I was playing with all through school. Um, we moved as a band to Rhode Island for a year to write a record, and then yeah, then we ended up here. And the band soon after um, kind of fizzled out, and I uh, started making the very very beginnings of what this project ended up becoming. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was quite a journey there, but. The community that I have from that college experience, a lot of us ended up here. My my roommate, who I've been with for two and a half years, he was in school with me, and most of our close friends were all from Boston, so it's been nice. Yeah, got you. Um, what was some of the, the biggest takeaways from studying there, you think? It was, for me, it was mostly the community. You know, it really exposed me to a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of styles of music that I, I would have never really taken liking to on my own. And I uh, I made friends with a lot of these kids in, in the math rock community, strangely enough. So, I was, you know, there's tons of house shows every weekend, going to house shows, and, you know, seeing these, these crazy, crazy rock bands mm -hmm. um, and punk bands and everything playing in the basement and people just kind of losing their mind. It was really cool. It's like we were definitely really kind of a, a part of something. And the band I was playing in would, would play some of these shows sometimes. And, um, it kind of just rooted me in that way. And that's why I started the band that I did in college, mm -hmm. just to kind of be able to participate. And So that was super cool. It definitely um, 
you know, and the friendships too. You know, it, it was it's one of those schools that there's so much going on. There's so much talent there, and you know, if you want to apply yourself, you could get a lot out of it. If you want to just kind of coast your way through it, you can as well. So, um, you know, it just depends on the path that you choose, mm-hmm. and um, you know, for better or worse, we're all we all ended up here. A lot of us, so. <laughs> right. And um, man, just a little bit about the first album and the uh, the recording process for it, and mm-hmm. I guess kind of walk me up to uh, the moment when we were supposed to sit down at the Sunstroke House and uh, the whole South by Southwest um, sure. that, that would get canceled. But uh, just just to walk us up to there, kind of bring me up to speed. And so, um, what was getting traction like with that first album? Well, so the, I just put, I put one song out in September. That was just really just to test the waters. Um, we hadn't even picked an album release date yet. Um, I finished the record probably in June for the most part of, of last year. And, um, yeah, you know, we did the, the normal things that you may do, try to get a record label to put it out, et cetera, et cetera. And just decided that, you know, let's just put something out and see um and see what happens and honestly not too much really happened with it last year between september and the end of the year but come january i got a lot more traction from playlists and um you know i got connected to side door and they you know they've been just really uh beautifully championing this project and I'm actually working with with them uh, outside of my artist capacity now as well. And, you know, I I think there's just so much opportunity there for independent artists to um, kind of find their way. And um, so that that was there. I I recorded the album last January. Um, That was the beginning of the process. I started in, in Seattle. My mom's... Uh, old boss and, and best friend for many, many years. She has this beautiful, beautiful home on, uh, on the Puget Sound in, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just like really idyllic. And you know, those three weeks, I, I was just pretty much doing the, the guitar and the, and the vocals. And uh, it just took, it took a long time. <laughs> it took a lot more time than I had thought. And there was no one there monitoring it. So it was all very, very DIY. I had flown out with a suitcase worth of uh, equipment, and I kind of just did my thing and really tried to uh, make it cohesive, and that was, like, the very, the the, the foundation of the whole album. After that, I flew back out here and uh, ended up uh, at a friend's house in Pennsylvania. He has this kind of cabin. He was living by himself as a family cabin. Um, he's super, super into synthesis, and um, you know, he plays a bunch of woodwind instruments. And it was just kind of like I got to spend a week with a mad scientist, and mm-hmm. we were just trying all. Yeah, we we hadn't really even planned to collaborate all that much. I'd, I'd gone up there to record like electric guitars and just kind of do the, the finishing touches of stuff. But once we, I was just like, Hey, maybe you can help me try this thing. And that just, you know, his name's Patrick. I really have, have to thank him a lot for providing a lot of that, that space that you hear. 
yeah. um, really came to life. I, I had things laid out. You know, I had things with my MIDI keyboard and stuff that I, I had, like, basic patches. But the actual analog instruments that we got to use, and you know, it was just, it was just a really beautiful experience. And, um, again, it wasn't super calculated. It was just trying stuff yeah. and trying stuff. And, um, yeah, and then I finished everything here. Uh, the recording, you know, I had done some stuff in my apartment, some stuff in um, my friend Alex's apartment, who also played on the record. You know, I, I think we got up to 10 people that, that, that had their hand on this thing, uh, performance-wise, which was, you know, it was really cool, because they all, you know, they knew it was my baby, so yeah, no one was really telling me what to do. They were just like, whatever you're thinking, let's just, let's just try it. And um, that felt really cool because it was kind of like I was producing just a producer sometimes. And sometimes I was the artist and kind of getting to wear different hats was, um, you know, it was really fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a long process. It was, you know, a full six-month process when I mixed it as well. I went back up to Pennsylvania and, and mixed it there uh, for a week and put the final touches here and, yeah, so you never know. Like that's the thing. If you're doing it by yourself, you're doing it independently. Um, it could just kind of trickle on and on and on and on. So I'm glad it was six months and not six years because I know that happens to people. Definitely. All the time, so. And man, just to back up just for a second, just to give people a better idea of like side door to South by Southwest and Southwest is, uh, you know, it's a question um, people you know, will ask um, a friend or whoever is like, how are you finding these new artists? And that's usually a main way that I tell them is like, just look and see who South by Southwest is going to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely it's, I mean, I've wanted to be a part of the festival, you know, ever since I started that the last project of mine. And, um, you know, now it's really cool because friends of ours here in New York, like this was the first year a lot of them were going down and, you know, we're all kind of starting to hit our stride in one way or another. At least yeah. like these are the projects we feel really good about. And, um, that was, that was like the biggest bummer. I think like a lot of friends really just, you know, they're just not going to have that opportunity this year and it's not getting rescheduled. So I hope that, um, we're all on a positive trajectory here and not a negative trajectory. And next year we'll be able to, um, find our way back and um it's going to make sense for everyone but yeah um, sounds like it know, was going to be a party yeah i mean you mean like one of my very very best friends uh he's a, he's a writer actually and uh used to be in a band and now he kind of uh like give him a shout out as an julian tepper um he just um his band when he was my age he's like 40 now um they ended up writing a song that got picked up by a Texas band, Spoon. How about that? So he he was he was going down there to support uh, this book that was kind of about all that. And, um, so yeah, it was crazy. All, all sorts of friends were going to be there. It's uh, I try not to think about it too much because it starts to really bum me out. But you know that was really the 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 tip of the iceberg there. It, it was South by one South by went down. It was like everyone's tours started going down. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that was uh, so. 
I think they were like the first one, and then like immediately after that, it seemed like every day there was more news of things being canceled. Yeah, yeah, very, so, very much, very much so. So and, chain reaction. Yeah, and I mean, just to uh, like, I don't want to linger here for too long, but I, I just sure. want to uh, pick your brain about this a little bit. Is just, uh, just what all this has really meant for musicians and just artists in general for all these events not being able to happen. And I like the creativity that we're having on social media as far as, you know, still getting the music out, still sharing it, but it's not as good as being there and in person, but whatever you can do, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, everyone is, is missing out on this. Um, you know, that's, that's just kind of it's it's very much universal. I I I really do. I have a, a good amount of friends working in the music industry, um, and touring and, and management and whatnot, and you know venues. I I really do hope that you know we could recover from this. That these small venues that are great are going to be able to recover, and um, you know it's going to be really competitive going forward because of all this time that was lost and. You know, I putting out an album during this, it's really strange, and I know plenty of people that are doing it, and, you know, it's just, there's not a lot that we could really do um, as far as that goes, especially because we don't know when this is going to end, and mm-hmm. that's the, um, we don't know when you're going to be able to go to a show with 500 people. Right. That That, that seems very far off. I'm fortunate in, in that a lot of the shows that I I play and I, I enjoy playing are 50 people or less. You know, that kind of intimate setting and, you know, what Side Door does so beautifully. And, um, you know, I really, that's something I could, I could make a living from playing shows like that. And I'm happy to. And I think that's what the future of, of live music is going to look like for a while are these smaller gatherings, more intimate, um, you're gonna you're gonna see the 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 need for people to start stepping up and saying, you know, I want my favorite band to come tour here, but you know, at the end of the day, they're not Beyonce, and they don't have you know priority over this market. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm just gonna call them up and say, listen, I've got a space. Why don't you do the show here? Please come here. You know, and that's you know. Sunstroke House is not no exception. It's like these are the kinds of environments that I think are going to become more prevalent, and we're going to start relying on them a little bit more. And um, you know, I think people outside the artist community are wondering, like, how can I help? And like, that's a huge way. You know, looking forward. If you've got a space, you know, call up your, you know, send them an, an email, send them an, an Instagram message, be like, I live in Salt Lake City. Like, please come here. And I'll get 20 people, 30 people, 40, 100 people to come see you play. And I'll give you a space. And, you know, whatever it is. But I, I see that as something that's going to need to happen. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... So, I uh, we'll see. I, like I said, everyone's got a, a whole different set of circumstances that are going to result from this whole crisis. But Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, man. It was... Um... It's been probably right at three years now is um, when I was first introduced to house shows, that was completely foreign to me. 
You know, if, yeah. if I wanted to see a show, it was, uh, you know, going out to a festival or maybe, you know, catching the band at a, a great venue a couple towns over. But um, right. now, um, you know, there's these house shows and just popping up all over. And it's like, you know, yeah. my favorite people to go see are now coming to places that ain't so far from me. And it's really changing the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really powerful. I, I think, you know, I, I, if I tell people, you know, I, I'm not even doing it successfully yet, but I think, you know, within a few years, I, I could find a way to do it. But it's just like, if you, if you could get 50 people to a show in 50 cities, that, that's a career. Mm-hmm. You could 100% live on that. And on top of that, everyone at that show is going to feel really connected to you because they're going to be able to see you. They're going to be super close to you. You could talk to every single person if you want to. Um, it's just like a really cool culture that can be cultivated in those environments that you're not going to get, you know, these big venues with the super elevated stages and all the smoke and all the lights and everything. Um, you know, if you're a big rock band, if you're making arena rock or, you know, it's not going to really be suitable for you, but I'm fortunate that this kind of uh, huge surge in, in this kind of thing is is happening at a time where I definitely need it most. And a lot of my friends that play folk music or things similar uh, can really make great use out of. So Absolutely. I hope that the gatherings of 50 or less can happen soon. That's what I, would, I will say. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, you'll see me right back out there as soon as that's a possibility. Yeah, uh, and man, just to uh, take the time now um, with the second album um, and just ways to support you. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, you know reaching you on social media and like ways to find your music. Sure. So, I, so actually, I, I only have I just put out a song on on Friday called Kitchen. Um, so that's the third single. Um, I believe we have three more songs coming out. Um, wait, I have three more songs coming out, um, between now and, um, the middle of May. And then the full first album is going to be out on the 29th of May. Um, so I, you could find me on Spotify. You could find me on Instagram. I just started a Patreon page. That's like the best way if you actually do um, come across the music and you and you feel connected to it. Um, there's three tiers on there and I'm going to be demoing songs for this next record and posting a bunch of stuff that didn't make the first record and some of my photography. And um, you know, that's, that's kind of the best way other than, you know, streaming the songs and um, kind of like getting in touch and telling me where you live and if, if I could come play in your house. <laughs> yeah. You know, these are all kind of things that I'm just kind of like planning around. But, um, you know, I can't even really ship my mer- merchandise out right now. Um, I have a ton of merchandise, but to go to the post office and be there for an hour, I don't think it's very responsible. So, right. um, you know, and all my merch is actually made by hand. So, but I am going to have the... I just got a test pressing for the vinyl for the first record and um, be able to post that pretty soon oh, man. for pre-orders and whatnot. So I'm really excited about that. I feel like this is a, 
uh, music that really translates nicely to that kind of. Yeah, uh, I, I'm medium. definitely going to have that. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice. I I had to listen to it, so I just I actually my roommates were sleeping, so I just put on my put on my headphones and listened directly out of the turntable. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. It was a nice little afternoon, so. But I don't want to listen to it many more times, I'll tell you that, <laughs> after a year. <laughs> yeah, so. I feel you, man. Well, um, yeah. let's let's break off right here. And uh, I just, man, um, typical day when you're you're not writing and uh, we're not in a pandemic. What is uh, What are some of the hobbies? And you mentioned that uh, all your merchandise is handmade. So just a little bit, um, you know, just a little bit about your day-to-day. Sure, yeah. I mean, the, the merch is made by a really good friend of mine, Genevieve Sachs. She uh, block prints everything. Uh, she she designed everything, and she block prints it. Um, we just tried that out for this first tour, and people really, really uh, took liking to the stuff, so I'm excited to do more of that. Um, for me, my day-to-day, you know, I, I this is my first year just doing music full-time, so... Um, I'm really, I, I try to spend a lot of time learning. I uh, I kind of been dedicating a good amount of time to trying to, to learn Spanish. I've been trying to do that for a while and um, kind of just get better at a lot of the things that are helping out the music, whether it's learning to play piano or learning a new software. Or um, I also take part in um, a pretty cool thing here with a group of friends. We... Uh, we call it like a song challenge and we uh, not during pandemic times we will spend the entire day in our own homes writing and Mm -hmm. recording and you start from scratch if you can and at 9pm that night we all get together and uh, we listen to what everyone made that day and it's just it's really cool it just really pushes you to uh, get out as much as you possibly can in that you know 9 or 10 hour period and drink beers and it's just, it's just a really nice, really nice thing so we're actually going to do a virtual song challenge this week so I'm super, super excited I, I think I write the bulk of my songs for those days um, it takes a lot out of you I drink a ton of coffee and I just like really just touch every instrument I can in my room and you know hopefully something cool kind of comes out of it yeah but um, and I just like you know I, I'd like to be outside and exercise and go for bike rides and be in nature as much as I can and, you know if if I had anything to do with it I would not be inside looking at a screen uh, unfortunately that is the uh, the reality that we're in right now and still how we spend most of our days I think outside of the pandemic mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah cool man uh, well, yeah. well uh, I don't I don't have anything else to to ask you. Is there anything else that you would like to plug before uh, before we go? No, I mean I think that we covered a lot of ground. I think so I too. Haven't done too many of these yet, so it's it's been nice. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, Brennan, thank you so much for taking the time, buddy. Of course, yeah. Thanks, Alan. And uh, y'all stay safe. Look forward to uh, seeing you in person once we. Uh, I already talked to Jamie, and I do want to thank her. She really. Uh, uh, wonderful people down there so yeah they are man yeah yeah so soon enough yeah soon man enough get make my way down and we'll do this again all right brother all right
See ya. Yeah, stay, uh, stay healthy and stay safe. <laughs> I'll do my best, man. You too. Yeah, take care. All right. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk. If you haven't done so already, I would ask that you would rate and review the show on whatever podcast app it is that you're listening to on. We are on the YouTube. You can also find us on the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. But I would really like to push further the idea that Hayfits gave us with Patreon. Um, something that you can do for your favorite artist. As little as what you would give for coffee a day. Um, you know, it's whatever dollar amount that you would set for that month. And that would be something that you would faithfully give each month. And it's divided by tiers, and you can get more involved with the artist. So I encourage that. We're going to walk the thing on out the door right now with a song called Kitchen. All right, thank you all so much for listening. Peace out. How'd we get alone? Didn't expect to be so vulnerable at home. Didn't think I'd get this time with you, no I really wasn't prepared for this I'm dressed like a homeless man You can see how truly pale that I am Hoped you wouldn't have to see me like this But it's what I've got to work with So here we go, what's your name?
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.